All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR with Dustin Rivenbark. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption. And I'm so excited about our special guest that we have today. But before we get into all of that, I want to sort of uncover the meaning of the podcast, kind of the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our hardships, our trials, our tribulations in such a way that we can begin to unfold God's plan and purpose for our lives. And so with that being said, you might be listening and say, but Dustin, why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, we all have stuff, man. We all have hardships, issues, things and challenges in our life that can begin to stack up and if left to accumulate they can even change the trajectory of our lives so that being said that's exactly why you need to be tuned in plugged in listening to scar because here is a safe place that we can share our hardships our our trials and our victories in order to uncover our plan and purpose for this life so Now that that is out of the way, I want to welcome all of our listeners and our amazing guest, Mr. David Wood, to the show. Please say hello, David. Hey, hello, everybody. Hello. Yes, absolutely, David. And so, uh, David, for those of you who don't know David, um, he is a former consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies. Um, he's built the world's largest coaching business. Can't I cannot wait to hear about all of this, becoming number one on Google for life coaching and coaching thousands of hours, 12 countries around the globe. Now, that is quite an intro to a well-established biography. If you know this about David, that's not all. David has has overcome quite a bit of obstacles in and through his life, and I'm excited to jump into this. David, um, just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you, and we'll go from there. Sure, mate. Well, I'm from Australia originally. Had a had a tragedy when I was very young and apparently shut down my emotions, but I didn't know about that. I just grew up and I thought it was a normal life. Got paid to go to college, um, became a consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies, got transferred to New York Park Avenue, and I thought I had it made. And then someone suggested I go and do a personal growth program, and I decided to go, even though they wore name tags and they smiled way too much. <laughs> and they, uh, they cracked my cynicism. They cracked my heart open. They were ready for someone like me, and I realized there are people who devote their lives to making the world better. So while the first half of my life seemed to be about getting good with numbers and business and systems and, and money, I have spent the last 25 years on the inner journey and going into authenticity, vulnerability, communication, true leadership, and uh, kind of catching up on all of the things that human beings need to to make things good in life. And so that's what I bring to my clients. I work with business owners who are already up and running with a successful product or service. And yeah, they want more in business. They want to make more money. They want more time off. But they also want to live a life of no regret. 
Wow. That they're fully going for it so that when that time comes and they're on the deathbed, they can say, I gave it everything. That's what really gets me going. So you made a comment that, you know, you really, um, you really love people who basically have dedicated their lives to, to, to getting pe- better and, and to making uh, other people around them better. Why, David, is that important to you? Well, I think it's because I was missing so much growing up and, and didn't even know it. And then as I, and, and particularly didn't know what I was feeling, didn't know how to express what I was feeling. And so when I went and did the Landmark Forum, my landmark education and started feeling more and feeling connected and seeing what it's like to have tears in my eyes and feel love for other people. Um, I got hooked on it. It felt really good. And so as I learn things in life that make my life better, I love passing it on to others. I think I'm a natural trainer. I'm a geek for training and it's like, all right, how do I get this concept over to someone else in a way that they can use it and make their life better. And during that first program, or actually it was the second one, second program, I got to change somebody's life overnight. And it was extraordinary. Someone had been hiding something from her husband for 10 years. Um, Apparently he'd, he'd had an affair 10 years earlier and he'd come clean about it and she was holding that over his head uh. and using that to control him and manipulate him and she was looking at the possibility of making a confession herself which is that 10 years earlier she also had an affair oh. but <clears throat> had never revealed that and just watching her with tears in her eyes look at the possibility of true love and connection and then she she went home and she she told her husband about it, put her whole marriage on the line, and they had kids. And she came back and reported to everyone at the course that she and her husband felt like they were floating 10 feet above the ground the whole weekend, fully in love. And I was hooked. I'm like, let let me work out how to be a good coach. Let me go and get the training. Let me work out how I can help people have the kinds of breakthroughs that I was now having in these personal growth programs. And one thing that's a little unusual is I think most coaches will choose business coaching or life coaching, you know, the personal side. I'm unwilling to choose. I'm good with the business and numbers and systems, and it's fun for me to do that. And and if that's all you want, you should go to somebody else Mm. because there are plenty of coaches that can help you with that. I want to work on all of it. So maybe I've got one client we might start with, She's having an issue with people not signing up for her longer program, so we'll work on that. Then she's got an issue with her ex-husband, and she just he drives her bonkers, and she's trying to work out tools for how to handle that. Um, I like working with all of life. You know, I, I love this, and, and I love that, that saying alone. I, I love working with all of life. Uh, here's the thing. We're all, we're all different, and we all come from all walks of life. But in and through it all, ultimately, we're all human, and and we all have the same 
basic needs, and we all have the same basic uh, characteristics. And in and through that, I'm I'm a lot like you. You you were mentioning when you kind of got a hold of helping people through their journey and and witnessing their tears and seeing their struggles. You feel real empathy with that, and and you were brought closer to that. As, as for me, um, as as a man. Uh, in ministry, for me, I'm really, um, really, really big into uh, personal growth as well as spiritual development and all of that. And I'm drawn to broken people to try to help them um, in the best way possible to try to get back on their feet and find that life again. Um, it's no stranger to you when you come up against somebody with a lot of adversity in their life because you too, David, have uh, been up against a lot of adversity. If you don't mind, let's start um, at age at age seven. If you don't mind, just kind of sharing your story with us and some of the things that you've had to overcome, David, in order to get where you are. probably the first big event in my life that I, I call negative is is um, being there when my sister was killed and so that was the first challenge to really overcome but the irony is you know I didn't know it I didn't none of us knew oh you know you should you should take your kids to therapy then and, and uh, you know maybe he should come to the funeral they didn't do that back then in Australia it was like oh no we protect them so it wasn't until the age of 23 that I went to a psychiatrist and said, what the hell is going on? I fell in love with someone six or seven years ago. I've broken up with her eight different times. And do I love her? Do I not love her? I know I can't go back to her unless I have some kind of doctor's note. Um, so what's going on with me? And that's when he said, I have a hypothesis. I think you have a complicated grief reaction. Mm. I think you never grieved properly for your sister. And I think you are a sensitive man, even though it doesn't seem like it. And I think I can help you. And that was one of the best days of my life where I was supposed to go drinking with some friends. And I came out of that session and said, I'm not touching anything. This is the best natural high I've ever had. So I think that would be maybe the first big thing to overcome but it took so many years to even know that that's what there was to work on and then the next i'd say the next big challenge is or actually this this was concurrent while i was dating that wonderful woman i started having anxiety attacks and i didn't know why again it's like I don't, i'm just not sleeping and i i went to um, went to a psychiatrist. I said, what's going on? And it turned out that I have abandonment issues because of my sister dying. Wow. So, so when my, my girlfriend, uh, we broke up and she went overseas and I, and I was fine until I found out she was dating someone else. And then I just stopped sleeping. And it was so challenging because it's like, what's going on? This is, this is terrible. And I had to move out of the residential college where I was staying because I became super sensitive to any kind of banging or noise or voices at night when I'm trying to sleep. Um, 
that's been a bit of a theme that's followed me throughout my life is now and then something will trigger anxiety attacks and if it goes on for too long I can go into deep depression and it's been a long journey of trying to work out how to heal that I've done therapy yoga nutrition exercise uh, emotional freedom technique neuro-linguistic programming I mean you name it I think I've tried it if you don't mind me asking can you give us a, a, a brief synopsis of, of what happened with your sister and some of the emotions that you had at, at seven years old. Yeah, what happened is we both got off the school bus and somehow she got under the school bus and was killed by it. And as far as emotions, I don't really remember. I remember uh, either fear or excitement or something like that. I was running back home and uh, to, to tell my grandparents that they had to come quickly. And then after that, I don't remember any emotions. I didn't even cry as a kid. I remember crying once when, when my dog was killed. And then after that, that was it. And I think that was a product of shutting down the you know, emotions. You, you mentioned, um, you mentioned that, that delayed grief, that, that hypothesis, that, that, that moment where that was so good for you in counseling to be able to kind of not, not, not relive it, but you got to find some healing and some closure in that later in life. I, my wife and I, we lead a, a grief group um, that, that is a group of, of men and women who uh, are going through grief, all different types of grief. And one of the things that we say is that before you can heal, you have to feel. And so oftentimes we see exactly that. What you're talking about is almost an emotional, mental, physical shutdown when we go into a, a place of shock. And so I can absolutely, um, I can't, I can't relate to to personally what you went through. However, I can say that um, I can absolutely see how that's been a trend following you throughout um, your early uh, years. How did you begin to overcome? How have you started to find light through all of that? Well, the therapy definitely helped. Uh, he had me watch movies about grief and go and talk to my parents, talk to my neighbors, ask if I could see my sister's things, if they kept any of them. So, uh, and through that, I learned how to cry. I learned how to grieve and I learned how to cry. And uh, I remember, this was a really big win for me. I remember being at a resort, uh, like, like a retreat, and sitting there and this sadness was coming up and I just sat and wept and there was no suffering at all. There was just simple, sweet tears. And I realized I have finally learned how to simply feel grief, feel sadness. Uh, sometimes when I'm feeling love, I'll have tears in my eyes and I welcome them. It's like, come in as an invited guest. So that's been huge for me in just learning how to feel more. And the, the journey's not done at all. I'm 53 years old now, 
and uh, every time I go and do some kind of personal growth course or some kind of training or go and speak on stage, it brings up feelings, it brings up emotions, and I get a chance to work out more about what's happening inside. And in fact, I'm writing a book right now called The Mouse in the Room because the elephant is not alone. Wow. And it's all about realizing your own experience. Oh, I'm feeling this right now. Oh, I've got a contraction in my belly. Or I notice I don't want to do what you're asking me to do, but I'm worried if I say no, you're not going to like me. It's really working out what's happening and then artfully, we call it mouse naming, artfully addressing the mouse, uh, the mice in the room, not just the elephant. You know, that's, that is so big. And, and uh, taking it back a, a couple paragraphs, you said something that, that struck me about grief. And here's the thing, David, there is so many people, there are so many people that don't know how to grieve, that don't, that don't welcome it. You said you, you sat through and you actually learned how to process those feelings and welcome the tears in and and sit in it that's so hard but but that's such a powerful visual um and and I think that's that's so important I look forward to the to the book that that you're talking about to to come out um and y- you know why how, what do you say to the person who might be in a similar situation where they've just shut down all outside feelings because we have uh, we have people that are in the middle of grief. We have people that you know are years past it but never truly dealt with it. All of those different situations. What do you tell the person that maybe has never experienced that that you're talking about? How would you advise them? to be able to welcome those tears and process their feelings. Yeah, and it's not just for their emotions. So, yeah, maybe you had some kind of trauma and and you shut them down, or maybe you just never learned to express them. You might have grown up in a family that didn't talk much about what was happening, or it's quite common for for parents to not ask their kids, "How, how do you feel about that? What's going on inside? How do you feel? You know, I know we were going to the circus and now I've had to cancel due to work. How is that for you? That doesn't normally happen. So I think it's a very human trait to not be fully aware of what's happening. I'll give you an example. When I was dating a Tantra teacher, I'd ask her, how are you? She'd say, well, I feel deeply connected to the earth. Like there's a deep bass note resonating in my chest like a C note and it's reverbering out and there's a slight tingling in my arms increasing as it as it gets to my fingers and then she'd say how are you wow and i'd say i'm good yeah because that's all i knew so um it's quite common and i i would ask it to this guru once because they would talk about being in your body and i go what are you talking about and people would laugh because they seemed to know what, I, what, what he was talking about. And he said, no, don't laugh. That's a reasonable question. And I said, how do I be in my body? Because I was, I was so up in my head and I spent a lot of time in my head just trying to work out solutions to things. And someone said, you can start by wiggling your toes. 
So that's a beginning. You know, you wiggle your toes or my acting teacher right now is trying to get me to just move on stage. Do not stand still. That's the rule for David Wood. You are not allowed to stand still. You must keep moving your body. Okay. And then see if there's any kind of emotion attached to that. And I want you to start with the feelings, which is the opposite way of how I've done it all my life. Another thing you can do is you can ask yourself, what is happening in me right now? Now, there's probably a clue, right? You might have a clue like you just don't like what's happening, right? That might be all you know. But you can ask yourself, what don't I like about this? For example, someone, uh, I was supposed to do a short film shoot on Saturday morning, and last night they said, we're changing the shoot, we're going to move it a day early, it's now going to be tomorrow, it's going to be Friday. Right. And, and I know we said we need you for three hours, now we need you for eight hours. And I had this resistance, like I, something in me was saying, I don't want to do it, but something in me was saying still be good experience and I'll get footage from my show reel and I had to stop and say what is happening what am I feeling and what I finally worked out it took a few minutes but I worked out I didn't feel like they were respecting my time so I didn't feel respected or valued in that they're like look just come be here for the whole, whole eight hours even though you have a small role that didn't feel very good right so you can always ask yourself what is it? Is it something I'm tolerating that I should say no to? Is it something that I desire that I haven't asked for? Is it is it just a body sensation? Am I feeling really low and down? Or am I feeling tight uh, in my shoulders? This is all golden information because it can be useful for you and you may decide to artfully name that mouse with someone else and say, you know, I think this is what's going on for me, and I just want to let you know so that we can be more connected. David. And then who knows? Maybe once they hear it, they might be thinking, wow, you know, hearing that, I notice I feel uh, some empathy and care. Or yeah. hearing that, I'm noticing I've got some stuff going on that I'd like to share. And then you can start getting more and more real. David, so so I, I want to touch on a couple things. First of all, you're an international man of mystery, okay? Let me explain. Let me explain what I mean. So with the Australian accent, um, with, the, with the California um, um, phone number, living in Colorado, the life coach um, turned... Uh, paraglider now i'm hearing about uh a acting coach um the longer we talk to you the more i see a man who is trying to get the most out of life and when i when i put the pieces together it unfolds a a, a big question mark of um this whole idea of of people trying to live within their comfort zone. This is an area that I believe um, you talk on uh, quite often and how often um, I think hardships, tragedies, all of these things, and not even just that, just life in general, David, can get us to a place where we just want to play it safe in this life. And 
when I look at you searching all of these feelings, trying to get your to know your body, trying to get to know yourself, and all of these different things, why is playing it safe the most dangerous thing that you can do as a person? It's because if we play safe our whole life, the risk is that we'll have huge regret at the end of it. Now, if we went back, Dustin, say 200 years, 500 years, I imagine survival was, was a higher priority. Yes. We had to put more of our attention on it. We had to avoid wild animals, roving bandits. We had to like really hunt for food. But these days, playing it safe is more just, I don't want to feel awkward. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. My cup of tea has to be hot. Uh, my, my chair has to recline on the airplane. I, I don't want to feel rejection. I don't want to feel embarrassed. Like when I go to acting class, I get up on stage. Sometimes the class is laughing because I'm doing the exercise so badly and I hate it. I hate how that feels. That's an example of like, if I just wanted to play safe, don't go to acting class or go and get a private teacher or go and get a class where they're not going to, I'm not going to experience those feelings. But at the end, when that time comes, and I hope, hope for, for most of us or for all of us, it's going to be a long time before we're lying on that deathbed. What we don't want is to say, oh man, I should have gone for it more. I should have been more uncomfortable. I should have been willing to feel fear more often and ask that woman out. Ask that man out. Make a confession to my kids and being real. Ask for a celebrity to endorse my product or service or gone and done that speech or pursued my dream of dancing. I don't care what, what it is, what your dream is. Um, what I've noticed is that going for our dreams is often going to require some kind of discomfort. It's going to require some kind of risk. And we've gotten so used to staying in our comfortable bubble that um, the risk is we can end our life and say, I did not fully live. I wow. played it safe. I was plenty comfortable. And I really wish I'd gone for it more. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in that boat, David. I don't want to, I don't want to be at the end of my life and wish I had gone for it. Like, like I truly feel, and my and my listeners have heard me say this many times on this podcast. But we only get one of these, man. We only get one one shot at at this at this life, man. And what are we gonna do with it? And what does it look like to step outside of our comfort zone? But here's the thing, David. There's a huge gap between comfort zone and being real daring. Now you talk about being real daring. What is what does that look like versus I don't want my tea to be too cold? What there's a huge gap there. What is this well, thing you know, that separates us? You know, I'm gonna I, I wanna challenge that. I okay. don't think there is a huge gap. I think it's very they're very, very close to each other. Okay. See, daring and courage lie just on the other side mm. of that comfort zone. So if you decide, and you can actually practice deliberate discomfort just to, just to build that muscle, and one way you can do that is take a cold shower instead of a hot shower. Okay. Or even, ju even just have the first five seconds be cold, and then you can step out and make it hot. 
Um, so it's very close. What All we got to do, it, it might be as simple, go ahead. What about working out? What about putting your body uh, under yeah. tension? That is yeah. that is very uncomfortable, but it's something that's inside our wheelhouse to do. Yep, that, that's exactly it. So I like to start with the micro things. I've got a chin-up bar, and I tend not to use it because I kind of enjoy the first four chin-ups, but then once it gets up to eight, nine, ten, I don't like how it feels in my body, so it's uncomfortable. So, but we can practice micro things like that. There might be something, maybe you broke an agreement with your, your partner and you just never told them. It wasn't a big agreement. Maybe they're going to be a bit annoyed with you. But that's that could be uncomfortable. You could do that. You could talk to your kids about, you know, something about you that you normally hide from people and say, you know what, I don't think we should hide these things as much. Let's shine some light on them. I want to tell you uh, about something I'm a bit embarrassed about. That's a micro thing. Now, you can build up. When you say real daring, I, I still consider that real daring. But you can build up to bigger things. Some of the things, i got a client right now who is um, about to quit his job. Very scary for him because he's got a product. The product's gone viral. He's got some sales. But the money isn't really enough to cover what he'll lose from his job. So it's, it's edgy. And he's poised, ready to take the plunge where that job and it's, and you know, he's got a job in his industry. He's got one of the best jobs you can have. So it's very scary for him to let it go. Sure. But you got to ask yourself, what does playing for real look like for me? Wow. Don't, don't do what the things I've done just be, you know, because they sound shiny. What does it look like for you? I realized that if I was to die without giving acting a full go. And by a full go, I mean moving to Los Angeles, um, taking some serious acting classes, immersing myself, auditioning every day, and networking, getting myself an agent, all of those things that, that you do if you're gonna do it for real, I would regret it. Because I just wanna have that experience and see yeah. what it's like. Yeah. So May 1, 2022 i'm moving to los angeles to to do that congratulations pick what it is for you it might be quitting your job and starting a new business it might it might be starting a new business while you keep your your old job um until you're ready to to let go of the safety net but i love these questions like here's an exercise you take a sheet of paper and write at the top of it what would i do if i was fearless Mm. I'm not asking you to be fearless and I'm not asking you to do anything on the list we just start by building awareness and you can have maybe some different circles on the page one circle could be your primary relationship or finding a relationship one could be uh, your friends what would you do or say with your friends if you were fearless what would you say no to what would you ask for another one could be work or business and another one could be just living your life full self-expression maybe uh i've always wanted to go to scandinavia never done it i would love to spend six months in brazil right yeah on the bucket list as well so so all of that is is great and i'm getting pumped up just listening to you especially talking about moving to los angeles and just going all in for what you love for me 
um, my new passion is, uh, 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 of course, my, my calling and, and, and what I'm going to do with the rest of my life will always be centered uh, around ministry, 100%. But I love real estate, and I'm thinking about the what-ifs of real estate and what it could potentially uh, benefit for, for me, my family, and those around me and the people that I love and all of that. So I've started taking those small steps of acquiring smaller properties that I could afford. Also, I'm certified life coach uh, here in Alabama. That terminology is not yet as well as accepted as some other places. So I've found some, some rocky, shaky ground there. But what if I got to my deathbed and looked back and said, man, I wish I would have tried those things. And so um, I'm just, I, I'm loving the conversation. And, you, you know, I also, there's something, basically what I'm hearing in your voice is that for most people, Small steps outside of our comfort zone is real daring for most people. Would that be correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And those... I think, yeah. I, I think one of the mistakes I made in life is I thought everything had to be huge. And so I, I, you know, I quit my job as a consulting actuary and started playing guitar and singing for pubs and parties and on uh, even on national TV and then I became a snowboard instructor for a while. And then I did stand-up comedy, which is one of the scariest things I could think of. And then I took up paragliding and flew the Himalayas. I used to think it had to be huge, but it doesn't have to be any of that. It might be as simple as you see someone throw down a cigarette butt on the street and it doesn't feel right to you. And you might say, hey, would you do me a favor and pick that up? Mm. Uh, that might be an edge for you. So... I, I found to my detriment that if you go too far and do things that you're not ready for, that uh, they can be traumatic. And there's no need to do that. Just find your edge. What's edgy for you? What's your self-expression? What do you want to ask for? What do you want to say no to? What do you want to create? Um, and that doesn't have to be huge. In fact, if you start small, I, with acting, I just started by telling somebody. I told a friend who I knew had acted in the past that I'm moving to LA next year. And then she said, well, I'm going to audition for this local play, uh, Dracula. Do you want to come with me and audition? And part of me is like, hell no. I don't even know how to audition. I'm not ready. I haven't even taken an acting class yet. But another part of me said, well, I think this is universe knocking. I'll go and read some lines. And if they like what I read, I'll, I'll read some more. David, how would all of this be affected had you never dealt with that grief? It's really hard to say, but my story about it is that if I hadn't shut down all of the emotions and, and, and had my difficulty with abandonment issues and intimacy and feeling the feelings and expressing myself, if I hadn't had all that trouble then I don't know if when I did discover it, it would have been like the Holy Grail. Because hmm. when I did discover it, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I have healed so much of myself, not all of it, but so much. And so I, I share with others. Now, if I came already kind of 
wrapped with a nice neat bow and didn't have any of those deficits, I don't know if I'd be so passionate about the self-discovery and about um, sharing that with other people. Who knows? I might be doing something else. I'd like to find out. We had a time machine or, you know, like the movie Sliding Doors. If you could see what would David look like without that tragedy. Yeah. But I'd like to at least think there's some value out of it. Man, I, I just, I think there's so much wisdom here. I think there's so much uh, uh, content here and overcoming um, uh, real briefly. Can you tell us about your paragliding experience? Yeah, sure. I, I, I've had a few incidents, both hang gliding and paragliding. Uh, one of them was full collapse of the paraglider at 300 feet, plummeted towards the ocean, and at 80 feet up, I managed to reinflate the wing and make it back to shore, and I walked away from that. And then in Colombia, I, I went and lived in Colombia for a while. I I was only 10 or 15 feet above the top of the mountain, and the, the wing collapsed, and I fell under my butt, and that's when I fractured my spine. Wow. And I realized, you know what? I love flying. It's really fun. It keeps me really engaged, but I want to live. I want to live as I want to live a long, long, good life, and so I'm quite happy to keep my feet on the ground. So I, yeah. I sold my paraglider, and the same week I sold my motorcycle because it's the same thing. It's not if, but when something happens. And I'm all about taking risks, but I'm about taking the good risks, the ones with the good upside and uh, the minimal downside. There's no need to take stupid risks like smoking cigarettes or riding a motorbike without a helmet like or, or riding and you're driving your car without a seatbelt. to me that is pure idiocy that just says god take me now yes i'm done i'm absolutely done um but take the risks where there is upside where you're going to share something real with your partner and the upside is you might feel deeply connected or you might take a risk with a new business and find that you're serving people and and get to create something in the world those are the risks we want to take david this is this is gold this is gold wish we had another uh three days to kind of break down this wisdom here and so uh, i really appreciate your time for those who are interested in learning more about you or maybe um connecting on a deeper level or even finding out when uh your book when when they we can look forward to that can you tell us where we can find more information about you yes thank you and you can already get uh, uh the mini version of the book it's already it's Wonderful. already available so um and particularly if something listeners something resonated for you on this interview and you thought you know what if I work with this guy, there's a good chance my life would change for the better. Then I, I would love you to request a 15-minute session with me, and we'll see if we'd be a fit for each other. And uh, you can do both of these things and also listen to my podcast, if you like, which is called Extraordinary Focus. Wow. And there's one link I created that takes you to a hidden page on my website. It's myfocusgift.com because I want to give you the gift of focus. So myfocusgift.com will take you straight to that hidden page on my site and we can stay in touch. I love it. And can we find out information on the book there at myfocusgift.com? Yep. Yep. Okay. Link, link to the book right right there. And if you're happy to give us a small amount towards the production cost of the book, we'll give you the mini book right now. 
and um, and I, I really hope you put it into practice. Yes. It'll really help you address all of the mice in the room uh, going way beyond the elephant. I love it. I love it. Hey, David, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. Um, As for our listeners, I'll see you in the next couple of days.